Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. So John chapter 16, verse 33. This has been one of our text scriptures for the series. We're doing a series right now called Passing the Test of Life. John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me, Jesus says, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. That word tribulation means a pressing together. It means pressure. It is affliction, distress, and different degrees of trouble or difficulty. That word tribulation means pressure. It is affliction. It is distress. It's different degrees of trouble or difficulty. But notice what Jesus said, be of good cheer, which means be bold, be courageous, be joyful, cheer up. Why? I have overcome the world. Now we know, as we study, we look through the scriptures, we have the victory through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. He gave us the victory he won. That's why we can be bold even in the face of a challenge. We can be bold even in the face of the test because we know we have the victory. We can cheer up because we know we have the victory. We can be joyful because we know we have the victory. Remember, we looked at last week what James told us, to count it all joy. Consider it joy, brethren, when he fall into diverse tests and trials. Same word there for tribulations. When he fall into pressure, consider it joy. Now remember, context is king. Who is James writing to? He's writing to believers who were scattered because of the attack of the enemy. God did not scatter them. Satan scattered them. Now his goal wasn't to scatter them. His goal was to kill them. But his attack didn't work. They just scattered. Now, one of the reasons his attack was so successful was because the church in the book of Acts wasn't doing what God told him to do. Anybody ever been attacked because you weren't doing what you're supposed to do? See, the enemy will attack regardless, but how much impact his attack has sometimes depends on are you doing what he told you to do and are you in the place God told you to be in? Because, you know, James writes on and says, when you fall into these temptations, don't say God did it. That's what number one last week is don't blame God. Say don't blame God. Because we love to blame God for everything. You were late and you blame God. No, it's you who stayed up watching Netflix and Jimmy Fallon and everybody. It was you who did that and slept through your alarms. That wasn't God. God did not make you stay up and watch more Netflix. Oh, God made me late, because I guess I had a, you were late on your own. We love to blame God for stuff, especially the mysteries and the I don't knows. Well, I don't know what happened, so God must have mentioned us. We do that because we like to justify our pain, and because we're religious in nature, we put some religious stuff on it. You know, Minister Dave earlier was talking about churchy. You know, one of the things is this whole nation, even though this nation is not full of believers, this whole nation is very religious. Majority of Americans, 99.9 percent, .9%, even those who do not have a religion, they're religious in nature. Because when something happens, listen to how they cuss. I'll leave that alone for today. For today. God is not your problem. 
He is always your answer. And anytime we preach on subjects like this, what does everybody say? Well, what about Job? So last week I said, well, what about Job? Let's talk about Job. So we went to Job, and we looked at it in detail how God didn't do that to Job. The Scripture clearly said in chapter 1 and chapter 2, Satan did it. Now, one of the things we saw in chapter 1 is that God said to Satan, everything he has is in your hands. Notice the Scripture did not say God gave it to Satan. Well, how did Satan get him? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. So let's make sure we're not filling in dots with knowledge we don't have. Because Job made a lot of statements that we love to quote because it's religious. Although he slay me, yet will I trust him. He ain't doing the slaying. Chapter 1, chapter 2, it wasn't him. It was Satan. It's good that he said, I'm going to stick with God regardless, but we have to realize God wasn't behind it. That's why when God appeared to Job, Job said, I've talked about stuff I know nothing about. How many of us have talked about stuff we know nothing about? And ended up blaming God when it wasn't him. Do you know why it's so dangerous to blame God for stuff that Satan did? It affects your faith when you come to God in prayer. If you believe God did it, you're not going to go and ask him to undo it. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to do it yourself. If you believe God did it, you're going to try to come up with your own ways to undo it and all these other things, right? And now, what will happen? You will turn away from the path of God, the plan of God, the wisdom of God to do it yourself, and now you're in the enemy's trap. We said Mark chapter 4, that Satan applies pressure, affliction, and persecution. Pressure brought by circumstance, pressure brought by people to make people to be stumbled or offended. That word means to distrust the person you ought to trust. He applies pressure to make you stop trusting God. He applies pressure to make you remove your faith in God. And what happens also in the society, where although we're very religious, we're very humanistic. So if I, my faith is not in God, my faith is in my hustle. My faith is in who I know, who I can talk to, how I can, what I can do, or how well I can lie on this resume. Now you're trying to do something, violating all the laws of God, and saying just hit, they're laughing. Because one of his slickest tricks is to do stuff in your life and either make you believe he doesn't exist or make you believe that God did it. Because, you know, if you don't think Satan did it, you'll never resist it. The Scripture says, resist the enemy and he will what? Flee. If you don't resist him, he won't run. And if you don't know that he did it, he's not going to run. He'll just camp out. He'll just move in. He'll move in, be your roommate, and won't pay rent. He'll destroy everything in your house and just stay there. You didn't know your house was an Airbnb and you got a guest up in there that you need to kick out. He just stay there. Especially all those of you who like to do those tarot cards and roots. Horoscopes. Just some Bernie, some sage, and get, no, you're not getting devils out. You're inviting them to come on in. You can't resist him when you're inviting him. I'm just going to try to play both sides. I'm going to try to plead the blood and then don't do that. Not only will it jack you up, it will jack up your kids. You have to resist the enemy. And you have to understand the enemy's behind a whole lot of things you don't realize is behind them. 
I was talking to one of our leaders yesterday, and I was expressing just concern I had because of different attacks I saw him and his family under, as well as those we put under their charge. And I said, you have to understand, we have been effective, and the enemy attacks. But you have to stand up to the attack. And you have to realize some things are just that, an attack. Because there's a lot of stuff that happened there. The enemy will do stuff like stupid stuff to keep the word from going forth. And so it doesn't happen every Saturday, but there's Saturdays like just stupid stuff pop off. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Anybody have ever tried to catch a bird that flew in your house? Anybody ever had fun trying to do that? <laughs> How about on a Saturday night when you should be preparing the message? Bird up in my house. Doesn't want to leave. Windows open. Comfortable. Throwing stuff, comfortable. Throwing water, comfortable. I ended up getting this towel, running over, catching the bird, and throwing out the window. And closing it for what glass does it come back? Saturday nights. I'm like, I was like, that's just stupid. Random stuff. And so I can either go, oh, I don't know why all this has happened to me. I know why it's happening. I remember another time years ago, I called Bishop to let him know just some of the random stuff that had been happening at the church. People showing up doing stuff, random stuff. It was just crazy and stupid. It was just a lot. And you know what he told me? You've ticked off a principality. Good job. <laughs> you have to realize you have an enemy. He has attacks. But you can't be successful in defeating them if you don't know he's behind them. If you think it's God or just life, you'll never resist it. So you know what? You're accepted. Oh, this is just part of life. Yes, precious part of life, but you're going to accept everything. You can fight it. And so last week, I preached what to do when all hell breaks loose. And so I'm picking up today's message is how to make the enemy pay for what he put you through. How to make the enemy pay for what he puts you through. Because do you know that if you don't make him pay, he'll keep doing it? I like what one man of God said years ago. He said, I want to become too expensive for the devil to mess with. That he's going to think twice before he does something. You literally can make him pay. So I want to show you how to do that today. Can I show you how to do that today? Go with me to Matthew chapter 12. Let's look at verse 29. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 29. Let's look what it says here. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to skip to this verse. Jesus says, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first, what? Binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Step number one, you have to bind the enemy. You won't bind him if you don't know he's at work. If you don't know he's doing stuff, you won't bind the enemy. Why am I keep pressuring this? Because there's so many people who even if they think, well, God didn't do it, you know, we'll do another religious phrase. You know, because I'm a Bible teacher, one of the ways, you know, you learn, if people learn, you kind of ask questions, and then you just listen. And so I do that a lot. Let's see, how well did that message sink in? Do I need to hammer it again the next week? 
And so I'm just listening. And you can see, okay, it made it through here, but oh, there's this roadblock. I need to hammer some more. There's some unbelief I need to smack again. And so a lot of us say, well, if God wasn't behind it, we'll say stuff like, well, he trusted me with this burden to bear. Do you know what that still implies? He gave it to you. He didn't. So, well, he allowed it. He allows a lot of stuff. You allow a lot of stuff too. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in the community you don't like, but you allow it. Right? There's a lot of things that are allowed in this world because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world system. We're not of the system, but we're in a system that is ruled by the kingdom of darkness. The planet itself is also cursed because of Adam's sin. So there are some things that happen in this world because of things that happened way before you even got here. And because you're on this planet, you got to deal with it. So just because it shows up in your life, you can't just religiousize it. Well, God trusted me with this burden. He trusted me with this pain. No, no, no. We realize where it actually came from and fight it. Resist it. Refuse to carry it. Because if Jesus carried it for you, you have no business carrying it yourself. If he carried your sickness, you stop carrying it. Stop saying, oh, you know, this is just my sickness. Stop. Why are you claiming it? If it was mine, we'll try to get rid of it as quick as possible. So I'm going to resist it. They gave you a diagnosis. Yes, we don't deny the diagnosis nor the facts, but we hold on to the truth. By his stripes, I am healed. So I'm going to resist this diagnosis. You got pain in your body? Oh, my body is hurt. No, your body hurts. Sit down. But deny it's right to keep hurting. You see the reality, and then you fight it. I'm not telling you to deny reality. I'm telling you to overcome it. Because a lot of people think faith is ignoring. Faith is fighting. There's a natural side to fighting, especially where health is concerned. Somebody's like, oh, I'm going to apply the scriptures, but you eat junk all the time. Quiet on that point. People just staring ahead. Just, just keep going, preacher. Just keep going, preacher. Faith is not just the confession of scripture. It's actually also doing the natural things that line up with the scripture. That's how you effectively fight. And you have to do that if you expect to win. So you bind the enemy. You open your mouth and you plead the blood of Jesus. Amen. You open your mouth and you use the authority given to you in the name of Jesus. And you bind the enemy. One of the things that I do when I start my day and I take my place, because the Bible says we're seated, Ephesians 1 2, we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And one of the things I begin to say is I bind the enemy. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself, spirit, soul, and body, over my family, over everything that concerns me, over my finances, over my church family, over my community, over everything that's connected to Faith Christian School and connected to Faith Plus. I draw the bloodline, and I plead the blood. I bind the enemy. Satan, I bind you. You're not allowed to kill, steal, destroy, delay, defraud me in any shape, form, or fashion. I bind you, curse all your plans and plus to fail. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me, I shall condemn in judgment. For that is my heritage. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. What am I doing? I am setting my expectation. I acknowledge, yep, you may 
form a weapon. You may fire a weapon, but guess what? It won't work. You have to be bold with this. I still remember years ago, Pastor Kirk, when someone threatened to kill me for preaching the gospel here in the state. You know what I did? Preached anyways. You didn't act like someone threatened to kill you. I said, why should I? Like, I don't remember how many times people have threatened to kill me and my family over the years. So many death threats. Or witches wanted to show up and do something crazy. Don't be intimidated by the darkness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to eternal life. Press toward the mark of the high calling of the anointed one, Jesus and his anointed. It says we are those who walk by faith. We're not those who draw back. We're not those who quit. We keep going. So you're going to have to bind the enemy. And after I do that, I ask God, Father, this is 2 Thessalonians 3, I ask that you deliver me from wicked and reasonable men, for all men have not faith. And then I said, Father, I thank you for Psalms 91 protection. I ask that for my life today. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. I abide under the shadow of the mighty. I will say, notice, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowl, from the noise and pestilence. And I go through that song. And then when you get to angels, Paul says, the angels of the Lord encamp about me. They protect me. They deliver me. They rescue me because I fear, love, and worship, reverence the Lord. Then I go through that psalm. I said, with long life will you satisfy me and show me your salvation. I'm using my authority. I'm speaking promises over my life, but I'm also setting my mind right. Because if I say this regularly, this is what I expect. This is how I'm focusing my life because of what I am saying. You have to bind the enemy and you must speak the promises of God. Because if you don't put the word of God in your mouth, Satan will give you something else to say. One of the things I've noticed over the years when the enemy's trying to move me to say something, it doesn't happen immediately, it'll happen over weeks. Be that same thought, same thought, same thought. Why? He's trying to get me to give it life. The enemy is after your mouth. You must fill your mouth with the word of God, because if not, you'll say the word of the enemy. So number one, bind the enemy. Next, go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And you know what was interesting to me when I was, I was studying Job? And when he, remember we talked about... Job chapter 1 through at least good part of 42 was about eight months. And the last several verses of Job 42 was 140 years. But one of the things I realized is after the attack ended, suddenly all these other people showed up. So Job's brothers, his sisters, his old friends, everybody showed up. Because before, only four friends showed up. But all of a sudden when the attack ended, everybody else showed up. Now, it was ancient times, and it takes time for word to get out, and so, you know, you have that, but it was still enough time for at least four friends to get there. This leads me to understand that one of the parts, attacks of the enemy is to isolate you. And to make you think nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And think it's just you. 
Let me talk to married couples, not just you. I have a friend of mine who, he got married a year before me. And I said, well, do you have any advice? And he says, you know what? Hang out with other married couples. It lets you know that you're not crazy. <laughs> it lets you know that other people are going through the same process. But a lot of us, we isolate ourselves, think it's only just us. Well, if I hang out with other people, they'll realize that I'm not perfect. We all know you're not perfect. We all know you woke up this morning, had to brush your teeth. We all know that you ain't Jesus. There's only one perfect person. His name is Jesus. The rest of us got issues. That's why the scripture says, bear one another's burdens or bear with each other. Do you know what that means? Put up with each other. Because somebody got to put up with you. Galatians chapter 6. So don't isolate yourself. You know, something else I saw, you know, now that I'm pastoring here over eight years, something I never saw until specifically being in this city during this time, is that I noticed people under attack or under great pressure that all of a sudden when the attack hits, Either they're embarrassed because of the attack, even though they had nothing to do with it. They literally just cut everything and run and do something else. Their job, their church family, the community, their house, and they just turn away and they hope that I'm gonna start everything new. Now I get it, some people when they go through stuff, they cut their hair and keep moving. <laughs> but that's a little bit different. You cut everybody and everything and you go somewhere else. How many know that demons travel too? You may move to a new city. I'm going to have a fresh start. And the demon behind you is like, guess what? I'm still here. Yoo-hoo. Don't let the pressure of the enemy cause you to leave where you're supposed to be. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Let him who was taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary while doing good or weary in doing what we're supposed to do. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart or if we do not faint. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, the thing is, if you know the enemy's attacking you, you know he's attacking somebody else, right? You know it's not just you. That's why you always should be nice and loving to people because you don't know what they're actually going through. But if the enemy is attacking somebody else and you want to make him pay for what he did to you, after you've already bound the enemy, find someone you can help. Find someone you can be a blessing to because you know what happens if you help them and you're a blessing to them? You're getting in between them and the attack of the enemy. You are disrupting Satan's plans in their lives. You are making him pay for messing with you. Find somebody you can help. We talked about last week the importance of praying for somebody else when all hell breaks loose in your life. But beyond just prayer, that is something you need to do. You heard pray, pray more, pray more, pray more. Yes, keep praying more, 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 more. I cannot say more enough. But on top of that, find somebody you can help. Find somebody you can encourage. Find someone you can be a blessing to. Some, find somebody that in your power you're able to help them in any way possible. Whether it's small or big, help somebody else. 
you're disrupting the enemy's plans. We know this context of Galatians 6 is financial, but it applies to so much more. Do good to all those who are in the household of faith. Find some way to speak an encouraging word to them, some way to help them, some way to assist them in going forward in God's purpose and his plan for their life. One of the things we talked about last week about Job, we see nobody prayed for him. And I wonder what would have been different if somebody prayed for Job. Pray for others. Help others. That's another way to make the enemy pay for what he put you through. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, one of the things I do sometimes, I remember I started doing this years ago after I saw it in Scripture, that if during the week if the enemy tried to attack my body with something, I remember a couple times I did specifically, I like to run during the week. That's one of the things I like to do. And if there's sometimes I couldn't because I had some, some random thing hit my leg, now my leg's in pain or my foot's in pain, I need to rest a few days, I would stand in this pulpit and I wait for that healing anointing to come upon me. And there's some things the Lord already talked to me about to pray for, but then I'll ask for permission. I said, sir, can I get revenge? Can I pray for the people who have feet problem today so that they get healed? They're like, go ahead, boy, do it. I'm like, yes. What am I doing? Revenge on the enemy. You want to mess with me? Come mess with you and all your little friends. And people get healed. But what am I doing? Striking back at the darkness. Did you know Jesus did that too? Have you ever looked at the story of what happened after Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was murdered? He stepped away because he needed time. But at the same time, his disciples would come back with great testimonies about all the effective work they did. So it was a time, it was a mixed time of high and lows. We all can experience where something really good is happening, and at the same time, something really bad is happening. It happened to Jesus. So he steps back, and when he steps back, guess what happens? Thousands of people find him. And you know what Jesus does? He heals them all. Striking back. What can you do from your area of grace, from your area of calling, and the position God has put you in to strike back at the enemy to help somebody because of what he messed with you about? Notice what it says here in Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, one of the things it says about your good works here is connected to light, right? What happens when you turn on the light? Darkness leaves. If you're in a dark room, you turn on a flashlight or a light on your phone, Darkness has to back up, right? So when you do the good things God has called you to do, it releases light and darkness has to back up. So the next way is you make sure you double down to do whatever God has called you to do. You want to mess with me? Fine, I'm going to do more. I'm going to be a bigger blessing. I'm going to encourage more people. I'm going to reach more people. You want to mess with me? I got something for you. It's called, I'm going to walk in love and be a blessing. That causes darkness to back up. Now, go with me to Exodus chapter 12. Talking about how to make the enemy pay for what he put you through. Exodus chapter 12. 
Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 36. Now, most of us know the story. God told Egypt, let my people go. They said no. And so their nation is destroyed. They fought with God, and they found out that their arms are too short. But how many know that if the whole subject matter of the fight was the Israelites, you probably don't want to see any Israelites, right? If your nation was destroyed because you mistreated them, you don't want to see them. Much less them showing up at your house knocking on the door. Some of you don't want nobody knocking on your door regardless, but much less the subject of this divine war. But God told them through the man of God, go up and knock on the doors of the Egyptian houses and ask for what you want. Remember, they've been in bondage for 400 years. The last person they want to see at those doorsteps is the Israelites. And you know, if they knocked on the door, they're not going to say anything. Normally, normally, just come on, be you. Be you for a moment, not just spiritual you, because y'all looking so holy at me. Yes, pastor, praise the Lord, pastor. Somebody knocking on the door when you don't feel like answering. Especially, this is like the middle of the night, the early morning hours. Imagine how you would respond. Yet, they're knocking on the door. And notice what the scripture says. And the Lord had given people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they granted them what they requested. Notice, if they didn't ask for it, they didn't get it. The message version says this way, God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people and so rightly gave them what they asked for. Oh yes, they picked those Egyptians clean. What's another way to make the enemy pay? The favor of God. Because it makes no sense for the Egyptians to give them all their money, all their stuff, all the wealth, all the diamonds, all the jewels, all those new clothes they just bought. You know what? I saw you walking in the house. I, knew, I, I want that outfit. It, it, it'll work for me. That is not normal. What is that? The favor of God. And what happened? They spoiled the Egyptians, the Scripture said. What is that? They are now repaid in a day for 400 years of labor. One day. One day. Do you know something? I remember years ago, I was in the service. It's over two decades ago now. I heard Brother Copeland say this. I've never heard him say it since, but I've been saying it ever since. He said, you need to begin to say that you are the captain of your inheritance. So I began to say that I am the captain of my inheritance. Things that were denied to me to my ancestors and those who came before me, either because of wicked men or ignorance, is restored to me in my lifetime. And now that I have kids, I say it's restored to them as well. So I'm expecting for some stuff that just shows up where it came from. You know what? I had a great, 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 great grandfather. He didn't get that, but I got it. And how do you get it? You don't gotta get mad at nobody. Don't get mad at nobody. Don't hate nobody. Because remember, the scripture says that Satan is your enemy. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against deceit, against wicked spirits in heavenly places. So don't get mad at anybody else. You just love everybody. You forgive everybody of everything. Because the scripture also says, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, and the Amplified Classic Edition says, finds its way to them eventually. 
I remember one story, I was living in Texas, and this lady who worked with us, you know, she was looking for certain furniture for her house, and she went to this place, and this lady was selling it. It was brand new. I don't know if she just bought it, but this lady was convinced this furniture had scratches on it. And now the person who was looking at it, I know they are detail-oriented. They said, Pastor, I couldn't find any scratches. I tried. I could not find it. But she was adamant that I took the furniture and gave me a huge discount. And she said, well, what was that? I said, well, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. The favor of God. It doesn't have to make sense. One of the things I was telling a group of people last week as I was hanging out after church, I said, there's so many things that me and my family experienced as a result of the favor of God. That we go places and people just bless us. You say, all they do because you're preaching. They don't know who we are. We just show up and they just happen to want to bless somebody and they pick us. We travel places and we don't even pay the normal price to travel there. I remember years ago, we, right after we celebrated your 30th birthday, and she put all this wisdom in and find all these best stuff to find it. And whatever it was supposed to cost was not even close to that. Favor of God. The wisdom of God. We were at a place earlier this year, and this happens to us so frequently, we kind of expect it. When it doesn't happen, it's like, wait, wait, where'd it go? <laughs> where these corporations just want to bless us, just give stuff to us. They're raising prices and giving stuff to us. We know how to receive. I remember one day we weren't there, but our kids were there, and they picked them out of everybody to bless the favor of God. One of the things I learned years ago, more than a couple decades ago, I remember I was sitting in a service at Word of Faith in Michigan, and there was tongues and interpretation of tongues. And the Holy Ghost said, that you need to begin to say the favor of God goes before me and prospers my way. So I began to say that. The favor of God goes before me and prospers my way. The favor of God goes before me and causes men and women God the way daily to bless me in every way possible. The favor of God goes before me and causes my harvest to come to me speedily so I have needed for my sake and the sake of the gospel. The favor of God goes before me and causes things to turn for my good. I started saying those things. And then I started claiming I have favor with presidents. And I do. Then I ought to say, you know what? I might go to a country they don't have a president. So I have favor with dictators too. Heads at state. And I start listing all these places that I have favor in. And guess what? To this day, I have favor there. I'm claiming the favor because Psalm 512 says God will surround the righteous with favor as a shield. So I began to say that before people encounter me, they encounter the favor of God. I started saying that I have favor in all these different areas. I said, I have favor with pastors, churches, and ministries. The favor of God that's upon me causes people to want to receive the word of God that's upon my lips. And so people's like, well, I just want to hear him preach. Why? I don't know. I just want to listen. <laughs> favor of God. And then when I did that interview with Sister Marilyn Hickey a few weeks ago, she kind of upped my game. She's like, you need to say more stuff about this. And so I did. I started saying certain places that I kind of closed off to most Americans. <laughs> Can't get into I said, you know what, that whole island loves to hear me preach. That whole government, everybody on the island, they just love to hear me preach. And you're like, well, how did he get in? They love me. Why? The favor of God. What areas are you called to operate in? What is your industry? What is your career? What are you saying about that area? Are you saying, well, they don't like me because I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too dark, I'm too light, I'm too this, I'm too that? 
Or you say, you know what? I have favor. They love for me to come and do this. They love to give me the best contracts. They love to give me the best deals. I have favor wherever I go. Because, you know, people don't have to like you to bless you. Have you realized that yet? There can be people God will use to bless you who don't understand it. They'll bless you while cussing you out. I don't know, blankety blank, why I'm doing this. You blankety blank, 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 but take all my stuff, blankety blank, and walk off. They don't have to like you to bless you. That's why you can't be offended. That's why you have to walk in love. That's why you have to forgive everybody of everything. Because the scripture also says in Job and Ecclesiastes is that God gives the wicked a job. And their job is to gather up silver as the dust so that God can give it to those who are good in his sight. So don't get mad at wicked rich people. Don't get mad at them. They work for you. And so one of the things you notice during any economic downturn in the nation, just look at the last several economic downturns in the last 20, 40 years. It is one of the biggest times of the transfer of wealth. I was listening to this normal economic podcast, and they're saying phrases that I remember the Holy Ghost saying in the 90s, talking about wealth transfers. And they said one of the biggest wealth, the economists said that one of the biggest wealth transfers are coming up right now. I'm like, I remember Leroy Thompson saying it back in the 90s. Money cometh to me right now. I remember that from the 90s. Now, all these reporters and economists are saying it. And I just determined I'm not going to miss it. So I'm going to forgive everybody and stay here with my smiling self. I got favor. I used to say it this way, and I would say it in a way with my personality in a way that I know annoyed a lot of people. I'm God's favorite. And I said it with that edge. Like people are like, Ugh. I'm God's favorite. And people say, well, I'm God's favorite too. I said, yeah, I know, but I'm God's favorite. So I had to update my definition. That means that God is prone to show favor to me, and he'll do the same for you. You know, when I realized I kept saying that, do you know what it did? It made me confident in God's love, confident in God's favor, that I would actually believe that even if I'm in a bad situation, he'll turn something for my good. So the more I said it, the more I expected it. What are you saying? Your words still matter. Have you limited your effectiveness and your impact because of the words of your mouth? Saying, well, these people won't like me or this won't happen because of this, that, and the other. Have you limited how far you can go because of what you experienced in the past? Are you saying the same things that those negative influences over your life in the past said about you? And so now it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy? Or have you began to take those limitations off and fill your mouth with the word of God? The favor of God is a way to reap harvest and is a way to spoil the enemy's kingdom. There's so much I can say about favor. I'll do that some upcoming Sunday. But the favor of God is how you'll prosper in a recession. Because one of the things, you know, I confess over you guys as we dismiss that you have favor on the sales floor. And originally when I say that, it's to help the people who sell stuff, sell stuff. But, you know, Pastor Kurt and I were talking about it the other day. Someone else said, you know what? I claimed it as whenever I go to buy stuff, the stuff I want is on sale. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That works too. So imagine if every time you go to buy what you need to buy or want to buy, it's always on sale. 
You just happen to go to the gas station, and the gas station you do is 30, 60 cents lower than everywhere else. Just for the time you're there. You turn back, oh, it went back up. You try to post it on Instagram. Oh, how did it go back up? What happened? The favor of God. I told you a couple years ago when we did the Harvest Challenge to count up how much money you save because of sales and discounts. And it's a count it up. And people say, this is huge. I said, it's your harvest. Because sometimes that hundredfold return we believe for, the harvest that comes from your giving, it's not someone walk up giving you a check, even though that's nice. Or someone coming up giving you a contract or deal. That's not always how it happens. Sometimes it happens because of the favor on the sales and the discounts on the stuff you would already buy. So expect it. Talk about it and look for it. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 20. Let's close here. 2 Chronicles 20, the last thing. 2 Chronicles 20. Now, just to set it up for the sake of time, 2 Chronicles 19, you know, it talks about King Jehoshaphat, who in majority of the scriptures he's reviewed as a good king. He had a few issues that God checked him for, but he was a good king, a good king of Judah. And in chapter 19, most of that chapter is looking at all the good things he did. Now, in chapter 20, Three kingdoms have decided they are going to declare war on Judah and take all their stuff. And so word gets to King Jehoshaphat that these three nations are coming, and they're coming now. Now, this king knows he doesn't have an army big enough to fight three armies. He knows they're going to be overwhelmed. He knows that if something doesn't happen, they are done for. So he proclaims a fast. It says he was afraid, and then he set himself to seek the Lord. He called a fast for the whole kingdom. So imagine how long it takes for the whole kingdom to find out that there's a fast and that King Jehoshaphat wants us all to come to This is days. And while all this time is going on, the armies are getting closer to destroy Judah. But if you notice how Jehoshaphat prays in 2 Chronicles 20, it's not a woe is me prayer because a lot of us are like, I didn't do anything wrong and now the enemy's attacking me. This dude didn't do anything wrong. He did everything right. And now he's being attacked. We need to start with, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why. I, 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 I'm doing right, Jesus. I, I, I didn't cuss that person out. I, I, I came to church. I read my Bible this week. I even taught Jesus why all these things happened to me. That's not how he prayed. He starts out, we're talking about who God is his power, his ability, and starts recounting what God did before. And then he starts talking about, he uses that phrase, Abraham, your friend, and his descendants. That's not just God's friendship with Abraham, even though that's included. It's covenant talk. Now he is invoking his covenant with God. And then he begins to quote scripture, specifically what God told Solomon. And so if any of these things happen and we stand in this place and we pray, then you will hear and you will answer. You will rescue. What is he doing? He's praying based on the word of God. He's acknowledged the situation. He goes on and says, look at all these three armies. You didn't let us defeat them when we came into the land, but look how they repaid us. They're coming to take us out. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And everybody gets quiet. Do you know how quiet it has to be for everybody, even the babies, to be quiet? Because it's all the, everybody was still before the Lord. The babies, the kids, this is everybody. Nobody was talking. Can you imagine what it is for a whole nation to be quiet for a, just a moment? And then all of a sudden, it says the Holy Ghost came upon a man of God. 
And then he begins to prophesy. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. It's God's. There are times God will tell you to fight, and there are other times God says, you sit down, I got this. And so the man of God is saying, the battle is not yours, it is God's. So God is going to do the fighting for you. Tomorrow, you go down against them. Here's where they are. Here's where they're going. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Any other nation does that? Everybody bows down and worships. And what do they do next? They stood up and began to praise God with loud voices on high. So what is this? They believed the word that they heard. But now they got to act on that word. Verse 20, so they rose early in the morning. Man, they acted on the word early in the morning. It doesn't even say they had coffee yet, but they rose early in the morning. They went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Or even more specifically, believe what he said. Believe his word, and you will prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beautiful holiness as they went out before the army. So he says, we're going to put the praise team before the army. Some of you say, well, the choir practice might have been a little bit lower that day. But we know the end of the story, so guess who got theirs first? The praisers. And so they went before the army saying, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. His compassion endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His covenant love endures forever. Praise the Lord. Or hallelujah. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. His covenant love endures forever. Hallelujah. His compassion endures forever. And it says, as they began to praise. They hadn't even got good starting yet. As they began to praise, the Lord said ambushments against the enemy. The enemy turned on each other. So by the time the people of God got to the battlefield, it was already done. And they went down to the battlefield, and they realized that all the enemies brought all their stuff. All their money, all their jewels, all their good stuff. And now it's just laying on the battlefield. What is that? The spoils of war. It said it took them three days to gather up the spoils. Imagine an entire nation working three days to pick all that stuff up. Because some of like, I could do some stuff in a couple hours, Pastor. I could, I could get some stuff. But imagine three days. And on the fourth day, they went back, and they began to praise. They renamed it the Valley of Blessing and began to praise and march back. Jehoshaphat led them, singing praises to God because God had caused them to rejoice over the enemies. And it says, then they had rest round about, and all the nations, the fear of God fell upon them because they knew that God fought for Judah. So notice, because as I was preaching, the Holy Ghost has been giving you specifics. When I said help somebody, you thought of somebody. 
You need to write that down. When I say you need to do this, you thought of something specific, you need to write that down. Those Holy Ghost downloads, I gave you the general wisdom of God, and he gave you the specifics of what you need to do. Because when you leave this place, you need to act on what he said. Because that's how you're going to gather up the spoils. I said that's how you're going to gather up the spoils. I remember there's an old revival song they used to sing, I went into the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. As I told you at the beginning of the series, it's time out for you always going through and have nothing to show for it when you get to the other side. It's time to get back what belongs to you. It's time for you to gather up the spoils. It's time for you to make the enemy pay for what he puts you through. So what we're going to do, we're going to reach more people for Jesus. That is what we're going to do. We're going to reach way more people for Jesus that we've ever done in the history of this 29 years of this ministry. We're going to get more people saved. We're going to get more people off of drugs. We're going to get more people delivered. We're going to cast out more demons. We're going to heal more sicknesses. We're going to get more people filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to make more disciples for the kingdom of God. We're going to see the greatest wealth transfer we've ever seen. We're going to see open doors after open doors after open doors, influence upon influence, effortless influence, grace upon grace, favor upon favor, position upon position, increase upon increase, raise upon raise, because it is our time. And we are done putting up with the enemy. We are done accepting his lies. We are done accepting what he's done. We are those who fight the good fight of faith. We are those who lay hold on eternal life. We resist the devil, and he flees from us. This is who we are. This is what we do. We are faith. And this is what faith people do. We fight. We go forward. We press. We don't give up in the pressure. We don't give up when things get hard. We were made for such a time as this. So that's what we're going to do. So stand to your feet. Because although we started shouting, I think some more of you got to shout in you that you really believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do that you're really going to spoil the enemy, that we're really going to see more people saved. Do you realize last Sunday we had a bigger altar call than on Easter? More. More people are going to get saved. Do you realize what we've been doing through our Marietta campus? People coming off of drugs, hard drugs, coming off of meth, coming off these things, lives transformed. Yes, yeah, Satan's mad. He's about to get madder still. He's messed with you. It's time for you to strike back. It's time for you to push forward. This is not the time to quit. It's time to go forward. I said it's time to go forward. I said it's time to go forward. So Minister Nathan's saying it's time to go forward. 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 Yeah. It's time to go forward. It's time to move in. It's time to move in. We're going into the enemy's camp. Going into the enemy's camp. And we're getting what belongs to us. Getting what belongs to us. 
More people will be saved. More people will be saved. More will be delivered. More will be delivered. The Holy Ghost shall fall. The Holy Ghost shall fall. And the end time harvest shall come in. And the end time harvest shall come in. It's time to go forward. It's time to go forward. It's time to move in. Time to move in. We're going into the enemy's camp. Go and get to the enemy's camp. We're getting what belongs to us. Get what belongs to us. More will be saved. More will be saved. More will be delivered. More will be delivered. The Holy Ghost shall fall. The Holy Ghost shall fall. And the end time harvest shall come in. And the end time harvest shall come in. So get ready for the harvest. So get ready for the harvest. Get ready for the increase. Get ready for the increase. Get ready for the souls. Get ready for the soul. Get ready for the new dominion. Get ready for the new dominion. Get ready for that money. Get ready for that money. Get ready for the property. Get ready for the property. Get ready for the businesses. Get ready for the businesses. Get ready to spoil the enemy. Get ready to spoil the enemy. This is your time. This is the time. This is your season. This is the season. The victory is already yours. This is already yours. So it's time to go forward. Time to go forward. It's time to move in. Time to move in. Go into the enemy's camp. Go into the enemy's camp. Get everything that belongs to you. Get everything that belongs to you. More will be saved. More will be saved. That means your family too. That means your family too. More will be delivered. More will be delivered. That means your community too. That means your community too. The Holy Ghost shall fall. The Holy Ghost shall fall. Miracles will run rampant. Miracles will rapidly. And the end time harvest. And the end time harvest. Shall come in. Shall come in. So now's the time to dance. Now's the time to dance. Now's the time to jump. Now is the time to shine. Now's the time to jump. Now is the time to jump. Now's the time to run. Now is the time to run. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. 
on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.